Welcome to the What is Happening in Salt Lake podcast series, brought to you by slc.gov and the Salt Lake Small Business Development Center. The purpose of the podcast series is to review topics relevant to Salt Lake-based business owners and startups, as well as to highlight success stories from other entrepreneurs. Hello, Salt Lake City, and welcome to a podcast from Salt Lake City's Department of Economic Development and the Small Business Development Center in the Salt Lake Community College. Today, the topic will be some of the challenges that women face in business, particularly in the tech startup world and particularly trying to secure venture capital. Today, I want to start by introducing our panel and give each of them a chance to give some background on the work that they do and the organization that they work for. So my name is Will Wright, and I'm a project coordinator with the Salt Lake City Department of Economic Development, and I work mainly with small businesses and startups, helping them connect with resources available to them. We also have Kathy Ritchie, who is the business advisor for the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses. 2011, she was Utah Business Magazine's 30 Women to Watch, Businesswoman of the Year for the 2015 Utah Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, 2015 Salt Lake Chamber Women and Business Pathfinder, 2016 Business Person of the Year, Salt Lake Chamber. We're also lucky enough to have Marcia Nelson, Managing Director at Alberlin Family Office Solutions, who also serves as Executive VP on the board of the New York chapter of the Association for Corporate Growth and serves on the board of VentureCapital.org. Maybe we'll just start with Kathy, if you want to tell us Mm -hmm. anything more about you and, and the work that you do. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your help with this. I have spent most of my career definitely working with small businesses, but also in the world of microenterprise, helping small businesses that can't get traditional funding. And I have been involved with VentureCapital.org for a number of years and joined their board a little over a year and a half ago. And at the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program, what we do is help existing businesses figure out how they can create a new stream of income to grow their businesses. Yeah, excellent. And so just when we go out, we talk to about 300 small businesses a year in Salt Lake City. And unanimously, everyone that we've talked to who's gone through that program has loved it. So I can attest to how well people think of that program. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. And Marcia, can you tell us just a little bit more about you and the work that you do? Sure, sure. And and let me just back up. I, I actually grew up in Salt Lake and then attended the Old South High, which is now part of the Salt Lake Community College ecosystem. I moved to New York 30 years ago, and I got my MBA here in New York, and I've been in primarily middle market, family office, investment banking, private equity for the last 20 years, and recently got reconnected to some of my roots in Salt Lake. I have plenty of family there, but I really started to see what was happening with the Salt Lake City ecosystem and the startups that were happening there. And the family office I worked for made some investments in Utah, primarily in hotels, but they really started to see that there were some opportunities there for some other investment opportunities for them in the Salt Lake area. So I have been charged with going out to Salt Lake on a more regular basis and seeing what's happening in the ecosystem. And I was lucky enough to be invited to join the VentureCapital.org board about maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, and around the same time Kathy was, and very excited to be involved with the organization to see what's happening and especially to participate in the We Rock conference this year. Well, hell, perfect segue. And also, let me just say, it'll be good to have you back in town more often. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I used to tell people that Salt Lake is a hidden gem, but I feel like it's not hidden anymore. And so I can't really say that. Yeah, it's definitely on the radar these days. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's a good thing. Definitely. We like all the attention. 
So as I mentioned, that's a perfect segue. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about the We Rock event on October 24th. Can I jump in here? Absolutely. Um, Please do. I am so excited to be part of this because I've spent 30 years being a woman business advocate you know, been on panels about access to capital and are women getting it? And, you know, 25 years ago, a lot of the answers were just that women needed to be better prepared. And I have to think that's a little bit of what is going on with this as well, is that we have found that women in, in general have had a harder time than men receiving funding for their businesses. Again, 25 years ago, they had to have a, a man or their husband come in and sign on a loan as well. And so over the time, we have noticed that is true in the venture world as well, is that, as we said, even though 38% of the businesses in the country are owned by women, they only receive about 2% of the venture capital funding that's out there. So we created this conference three years ago with the idea that we needed to address the crucial issues surrounding the challenges that women have in raising money for their companies. And that's really the goal. That's great. And the, the number that you gave us is, is really staggering. And I think that speaks to the disparity for women raising capital for startups. Is there anything else? Are there any more numbers that kind of illustrate the point? I just read an article that said last year there was $58 billion invested in venture capital. And again, women got 2%. So 2% of $58 billion. I mean, it's almost hard to believe, you know, that's really incredible. And maybe would one of you like to speak to the advantages of having a more inclusive environment? Absolutely. The statistics are just unbelievable out there in terms of diversity and how well more diverse companies do, how much better they do, whether it's a fund, if the fund has women on its board or a women manager or a minority involved, the, the more diverse the organization is, the better the returns. And there's a lot of statistics out there about that. And some of the reason people think is because you don't get group think, you get people who challenge whatever is being said in the room and say, wait, that doesn't work for me or that doesn't work for this group over here. So you don't have an organization that just targets, frankly, the white male population which eliminates a lot of the people in this country or in around the world. So there's real statistical evidence about why it's better to have more diverse organizations. Mm-hmm. And in general, yeah, women in business, this comes from a survey that was done some years ago, women tend to be more collaborative. They also tend to ask for help and listen to it. And they're going to do it. They want to do it right. So they do the research that they need in their homework. That's great. And just to kind of echo that point, we found is that cultural inclusivity is beneficial to businesses and helps them succeed, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's really great news. Do either of you have any stories that kind of help humanize these numbers? Like, how does that affect people in real life? Yeah, I can actually share an anecdote from a friend of mine who went out and started his own venture capital firm. And he's African-American, and he started a firm specifically focused on women and more diverse founders. But he was working inside a corporate VC, and he brought a company to his colleagues. And he said, look, I'm the man in the room. I'm a man in the room with other men, but I'm the only African-American man in a room of white men. And he brought a company that was primarily targeting the African-American and Latino market and hair products and was looking for some additional capital to get them to the next round and build out their sales team. And his colleagues looked and said, there's no way that women are going to sit in a chair for five or six or seven hours to get the hair done and get hair extensions. Nobody cares about you know dry hair and, and some of these other issues. So they poo-pooed it, shut down the investment 
sure enough, a year later, the company really took off and the corporate VC wanted to get back in. But the founder said, look, you didn't believe us the first time and they wouldn't let them come back in on their financing round. And they missed a real opportunity. My friend actually went out on his own and he said, I want to be able to capture those opportunities when they come along. But he said how naive of them and how narrow-minded of them to think just because it didn't affect them. And he said, look, if I had brought in a company that was targeting male pattern baldness, they all would have been all over it. But because it was targeting women with kinky hair and more curly hair and diversity, they wouldn't even touch it. You know, and I'm going to add on the extreme other side, on the small micro scale side, we had women come in and we present to a full loan committee. And there was one day when we had a woman with bath products and bath and body products, and there were mostly men on the committee that day. And when one of the chairmen said, do women really care if their bathwater is purple? I thought, wow, we need more women on this panel. <laughs> they, the men just don't, not getting it. So not to discount them at all, but the reality is it's a different mindset. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, it's hard to see things that don't affect us, I think. And so that speaks again to that sort of more inclusive environment Mm -hmm. and why, you know, I think why that it's beneficial. So given these numbers that we're talking about, like 38% of businesses are women-owned, but only 2% of startup capital goes to female-owned startups, right? Are there any stories of women have to, I don't know, do they have to like dress like men to go into the to these meetings or to get money or, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I used to run my own organization called Deals and Divas here in New York that was really a bridge between entrepreneurs and investors and bringing them together. So I have plenty of stories from my conversations with other women, but many times they were actually advised by consultants and outside parties to take a man with them and let the man talk if they were pitching, even though it was their idea and they had founded the company and they might have had a male colleague, but they were told that they would not get money if they spoke themselves and no one would talk to them. So many times they would recruit somebody to go with them to an investor pitch because they, otherwise they didn't think that they were going to have access and make it over the hurdle to get capital. Well, that's really astonishing. And, that, and was that fairly recently? Uh, yes, I just shut down that business two years ago when I joined Albert Wing, but I had run it for oh, seven wow. years in New York. Yeah. Wow. So that's a little disheartening. So maybe we can kind of move into the good news, like what's going on now? What are people doing to encourage change and prove the diversity and inclusion? Well, I think women are starting their own funds. So women are going out and they're joining groups like Golden Seeds. You see groups like the Female Founders Fund. You see like Trish Costello Portfolio. We're actually seeing women saying, look, we as women need to sponsor and support other women. And if we can take the lead, we can show that this thesis will prove out. So I think part of it is just getting more women in the VC community, whether they're joining a a team already or starting their own. I think women need to realize that they can invest in other women. And others are noticing that because I know that Goldman Sachs has started a great big fund for women-owned businesses and women investors where they're investing on the levels of $15 million. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. And I would think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would think that would be liberating and freeing. So that would encourage more and more diverse business startups, right? Which would in turn help the economy, right? Help diversify and strengthen the economy. So kind of a win all the way around. 
Absolutely. And the second piece of that is that right now, like the big hub, of course, is San Francisco, Boston. Mm -hmm. Those are the two big hubs for access to venture capital. But there are other places, you know, Utah is building up a whole VC community, Atlanta, there are places in Texas. One of the things is how do you get people access? And think about this. You have a startup company that needs access to venture capital. So you're going to make them spend money to fly to San Francisco to maybe sit in meetings and they might get stuck having to come back two or three times. What a waste of their startup capital to make them Mm -hmm. spend it all on a plane and airfare. So I think we need to really think about how can we support the ecosystem on the ground more locally. And I think as we start to see that happen, and especially with organizations like VentureCapital.org and what Kathy was talking about, Goldman Sachs, I think we will start to see more women have access to capital because they're going to know somebody who raised money or who is running a fund or is an investor, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, leveling the playing field and encouraging women and minorities in tech and startup is, you know, a major focus of, you know, our department, Salt Lake City's Department of Economic Development. And as technology takes up a larger share of the economy, is that just more of what we need moving forward? so that young boys and girls in elementary school today have the same opportunities as they start to enter the workforce? Is there any, like, what pieces are we missing? I can talk about that again, because I have two children, a boy and a girl. And so I can talk about just anecdotally my own experiences. And what my son is currently serving a mission, but he is studying computer science at the University of Utah. So one of the things I see is even in how we think about STEM and how we think about, Mm -hmm. Kathy mentioned earlier that women are more collaborative. I know this, that even the computer games my children played when they were little, my son was much more attracted to games that were, you know, racing cars and shooting people up and doing that kind of thing. My daughter was more interested in games that were more collaborative, that she got to play dress up, that she got to do the Barbie game or whatever. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. And I'm not saying that we need to pigeonhole people or one or the other. But I just think for my daughter, it was a gateway. And so we need to think about what's the gateway to get them into gamification and computers and STEM. And then telling them like, okay, now here's the secret sauce. Here's how you make it. But first they have to be interested in it. And if it's all geared to kids who really want to like, you know, beat them up, fight them up, that, you know, that adrenaline rush, then you're going to have women and girls saying, well, that doesn't, I don't want to play that game. So therefore I must not be interested in technology. And I think that's the wrong message. I would so agree that we recognize that more can be accomplished if we work together and we help each other. And I think that's just kind of a, one of a natural tendency for women, but it seems to work and they look out for each other. And there is, you know, we're seeing this more and more in this culture we're coming back to a sense of why are we doing all of this in a sense of purpose. And I think that adds a humanization component to all of this. The other thing I'm going to mention is continuing to have role models for little girls and young women. They need to see that women are out there doing it. They can do it. And we've always got to be conscious from when they're very little and growing up to never give these young women a feeling that they can't accomplish. They can absolutely do anything they want to. Yeah, I was really lucky early in my career. I spent the first 10 years of my life in New York working in fashion publishing, and I worked for female editors in the fashion world. And I really, like, that was really a way for me to see wow, women can run their own P&L. They know how to read a balance sheet. You know, mm-hmm. That was really, really an eye-opener because growing up, I didn't know women who worked outside of the home and you know, that weren't doing something in education, childcare, bank tellers, you know, nursing, like some of those like caretaking roles. 
And when I moved to New York and met these women, I was so completely blown away what what they could accomplish. And I had a mentor who encouraged me to go back to graduate school and get an MBA. And I don't think I would have done it if I hadn't seen somebody in my community. And especially I went back to school with two young children. I worked full time. I went to school at night. I knew almost no women, um, at least in my church community. I knew no women who had gone back to school to get an MBA except for this one woman. And having her and having her say, yes, you can do it. And it might be hard, but, you know, in a few, four years at night, but you can do it. And I think that's what we need to hear, too. It's like we need to find mentors. We need to encourage women and men to mentor younger women and minorities. And we need to be able to say to them, yes, you can do it. You can go get an education. You can go into technology. They need to hear that validation that they can do it. Right. And there, and we also need to work on the perception that women are so risk averse because in some aspects of their life, yes, maybe they are, but it doesn't mean they are in a business standpoint. Risk means reward. And in some of the data I've read, there seems to be an ongoing perception on the part of the male funders that women just don't want to take the risks. That's interesting. And it's an erroneous assumption, right? Right, right. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm looking at an article right here that talks about risk, and there, these are actual comments that were made. One is she's very cautious, as women often are, and she is careful in what she does, and she does not dare to invest. Wow. Another one is the fact that women are more cautious in their investments. And a third one, she's a typical woman, extremely risk averse. I think we need to continually work on breaking down that misperception. And just even listen to that vocabulary. We need to rethink how we talk about ourselves and how we talk about each other. She's a typical woman. You know, Mm -hmm. even just that is derogatory. Yeah. That was hard to hear. Actually, I mean, it was hard to listen to. Yeah, it comes out of a Harvard study. Oh, my Lord. Well, amazing. So, well, I I think we're kind of coming to the end of our conversation. I don't want to leave it on a negative note. So is there anything that we can share in a more positive light? Are we starting to see things change? Is there a shift that's beginning to occur? I think we're definitely seeing a shift. And it's been in the works for years, and we are continuing in it. And it will take a while. It'll take some time Mm -hmm. to get women up to the level that they need to be. But there's definitely a shift. And that is as shown by organizations like ours putting on a conference like this and more and more people seeing the need for women to have access to the capital that they need. They need to bring these products to market. They can be life-changing for the community. And we need to look beyond that. We need to look at the potential of the business and its positive impact on the community. I 100% agree with Kathy. And I'm going to leave on a note with my personal soapbox that women control a lot of the consumer products and the consumer spending in this country. And we can therefore put our money where our mouth is. So we can say, you know, I don't want to buy a product from a company that doesn't have a woman CEO. I apologize. I don't have this off the top of my camp. I think it was Revlon or Estee Lauder that just recently appointed a female CEO for a makeup company that women buy all the time. And why do we have to be surprised at that? I think we can make positive change by personally choosing where we're spending our dollars. And I can tell you, that if any of these major consumer brands companies, if women started to say, wait, I'm not going to buy your product until you put a woman on a board or in the board seat or in the CEO position, that we would see a huge shift. And I think women are starting to see that, that they are taking control 
and they're saying, I, I can't find something for myself out there, so I'm going to start it myself. And I think we, I really think this is the tip of the iceberg, and conferences like this are really, really helpful, and organizations like VentureCapital.org to level the playing field. Right, and I'm going to end on a couple of the mantras of VentureCapital.org. They are all about start your business, find money, and change the world. And that really is what it's I all about. Love it. Fantastic. Well, Kathy and Marcia, thank you so much. And then let me just give you one more chance to talk about the 2019 E-Rock, Women Entrepreneurs Realizing Opportunities for Capital. Yeah. I'm so excited to come out to Utah to participate again this year. It's a great lineup of speakers. There's a pitch event. We're going to have, it's, it's just going to be a great day. And frankly, we need to remember that, that it's not just for women. We need to build right. a community to support women. And there will be many men there as well. <laughs> great. Um, and that'll be Thursday, October 24th. It looks like it's from seven to three. And how do people get involved? How do people sign up? They can go, uh, if they Google We Rock 2019 Eventbrite, they'll be probably taken to the registration page and they can buy tickets. Okay. And That's with that in mind, and, oh. I'll, I'll just mention that we're offering student rate of only $25. So if people are out there wanting to learn more about how does angel and venture capital funding work, there's an opportunity for them as well. Perfect. Thank you, Kathy and Marcia. Thanks again so much. I've enjoyed this very much. All right. Thank you thanks, so much for well. the opportunity. Absolutely.